But no, there are still brilliant minds today producing amazing scores. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's awesome. Okay, thanks. (laughs) You're welcome. (laughs) Okay. Oh, what is a treat? We need to work on our outros. Yeah. (laughs) Our outros need some work. (laughs) Thanks. You're welcome. Okay, let's go. Finish her up. Welcome back to the Modern Lady Podcast. You're listening to episode 113. Hi, I'm Michelle. And I'm Lindsay, and today we are talking about creating a peaceful home. Poet Johann Wolfgang von Goethe once wrote, quote, He is the happiest, be he king or peasant, who finds peace in his home, end quote. A peaceful home is something that all of us could probably agree is highly desirable. But peace is not simply a sentiment. It's something to be pursued and cultivated intentionally, especially in the minutia of our day-to-day. But first, this podcast is brought to you by our Patreon supporters. How about you? Do you want more from The Modern Lady? Become a Patreon supporter and for just $5 a month, you will have access to extra content. Find us by going to patreon.com forward slash The Modern Lady Podcast. You can also support the show by giving us a rating and a review on whatever app you use to listen to podcasts. Your reviews, especially on iTunes, can really help others who might be interested find our podcast too. Your comments mean the world to us. This week's shout out goes to Aaron Wilson, who wrote us a review on our Facebook page and said, quote, I have started listening to this podcast very recently and I really enjoy the topics. And I feel they are so relevant to me as a mom of boys trying to get our life in order before I return to work. I especially liked the ones on humility and keeping it simple in family culture. I like how you explain things in a serious but very lighthearted and gentle way so the listener doesn't feel overwhelmed with information. Thank you, ladies. End quote. Well, thank you so much, Erin, for your kind words and your wonderful review. We are so glad that you're here to chat with us about all these topics with a bit of fun but intentional banter. And if you would like to leave us a comment, you can do so on our website, www.themodernlady1950.wordpress.com, or you can leave us a comment on Facebook, Instagram, or YouTube, where you can find us at The Modern Lady Podcast. But in a surprising turn of events, before we get into today's chat, I have our Modern Lady Tip of the Week. In our last episode, Lindsay, inspired by one of her favorite chefs, Nigel Slater, shared her top five essential kitchen tools and appliances, and then challenged me to do the same. I've spent the last week preparing for my big tip of the week debut by observing which items I reach for over and over again in my own kitchen, and realized that while my list definitely overlaps with Lindsay's sometimes, I do have a few more to add to the kitchen essentials repertoire. So here are my top five essential kitchen tools and appliances. The first is a rice cooker. Now this was mentioned in last week's list from the food and wine magazine that Lindsay mentioned. And you couldn't see me, but I was nodding emphatically with agreement. We have rice as a side dish at least three to four times a week. And it is such a great way to stretch a soup or a stew or even chili for a few meals. 
So our rice cooker is for the microwave and it's easily one of the most used tools in my kitchen. Second, I have down a cast iron Dutch oven. This is the best gift I ever gave to Phil because it also ended up being a gift to me. I just love that I can cook something on the stovetop and then put it right into the oven without having to dirty another pan. Third on my list is a coffee maker with a timer. I do not know how I lived for so long without a timer on my coffee maker, but about a month ago, I finally entered the world of just waking up to coffee versus having to make it when I get up, and it's actually helped to motivate me to get out of bed more quickly in the mornings. Next on my list is a cookbook holder or a stand. This seems like something that wouldn't make much of a difference in the kitchen, but I don't know if you've noticed this, but cookbooks don't often lie flat, and the ones that do are often the pretty ones that I'm loath to just spread out over my countertop while cooking. And so a cookbook holder or a stand may seem trivial, but I do use mine almost daily. And finally, a slow cooker. I've often mentioned my love for gallivanting and being out and about and how much our family enjoys our extracurriculars or visiting with friends. But when those things start to run into the late afternoon, I do start to get antsy if I don't have plans for dinner. I use my slow cooker so often, especially in the winter, putting dinner on midday, and I can attest to how it adds to my own sense of huga or curry or homecoming when I come through the door and am met with dinner ready to go. And so there you have it. Five more items to consider as you look around your kitchen and discover your list of your most treasured tools of the trade. Okay, Michelle, I loved that. Oh my goodness. All of the things I want to talk about all mm -hmm. of those things with you now. But first of all, yes. you said um, your rice cooker goes, in, you have a microwave one. Just tell me a little bit yes. more about that, please. Okay. <laughs> so yeah, this rice cooker, um, mm -hmm. so it's heavy duty plastic mm -hmm. and you fill it with rice, you rinse your rice inside, and then it comes with like a little venting insert that you put in mm -hmm. and then the lid clips on on top. And um, so after you've filled it with rice and with the appropriate amount of water, you stick it in the microwave for about 15 minutes or so and mm -hmm. it cooks the rice. That's it. And does it turn out perfectly every time? Um, yeah, but the thing is you have to really be careful with the amount of water you add, I find, or it okay. could be undercooked. Yeah, yeah, I find, and this is a tip that is not, um, accurate scientifically accurate in any way but I measure the water <laughs> by filling the um filling the rice cooker with rice and then adding water until it comes up to the second knuckle on my pointer finger <laughs> <laughs> so we just need your yes. knuckle to figure this out okay <laughs> that's right that's right Oh, I loved everything. And I totally agree with you about cookbook holders. Um, a lot of mine lay flat, but like you said, like the idea of just laying those ones on the counter and getting splashed with food. Oh, quel horror. A guest. <laughs> a guest. Well, thank you for sharing, Michelle. Maybe you should do more tips of the week. That was awesome. Oh. <laughs> Peace begins at home. So said the 32nd president of the United States, Franklin D. Roosevelt, and he's right. But what does it look like? Is it even possible? These are such good questions to ask as homemakers and home dwellers, right, Lindsay?
Yeah, you know, we've been talking a lot about the atmosphere of our homes over the last few episodes, and it does feel like everything has kind of been building up to this discussion, begging the question, yeah, how do we create peaceful homes? So, Michelle, do you want to start with, again, our definition? We like to define things, right, as we always say. So what does peace Mm -hmm. mean? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, again, one of those words that we use a lot, right, Mm -hmm. Um, to express a whole range of sentiments. But according to Merriam-Webster, it's specifically defined as a state of tranquility. Um, Mm -hmm. It also defines it as freedom from disquieting or oppressive thoughts and emotions, and also as harmony in personal relations. So yeah, even from this definition, I think we can see that there are different scenarios or circumstances where you can be striving for peace. And I'm glad, like, I just actually threw that at you, hoping you had written down the description or the definition, and you yeah. had. So thank you for having <laughs> yeah. taken through that, because I was hoping you had. Now, when we started talking about this topic, um, I kept going back and forth in my own head between the words peaceful and peace-filled. And I thought maybe I was just mm. being too, I don't know, ridiculous. Like, I'm like, they're probably the same thing. But then I asked Jason about it, and he said, well he thinks they're different. He said that a peaceful home could be just a home um, void of conflict, like a home where nobody's fighting, but it doesn't mean it's necessarily filled with peace. And that would be Mm. peace filled. And I'm like, oh yeah, they are two different things. Mm -hmm. Well, and see, Lindsay, that's the difference between you and I, right? (laughs) Yes. Do you get it? (laughs) Did you get that? What I did there? Peace, peaceful, peace filled. It's the difference between you and I. Wow, I just got it. Yep, peaceful. Okay, well, the the I. Yeah, got it. Yeah, okay. (laughs) (laughs) But in a on a more serious note, I guess um, I looked up the definitions of these words too, and Google defines peaceful as being free from disturbance, um, tranquility, not involving war or violence. I couldn't find an actual definition for peace-filled, but it seems to bring up in a Google search um, results that are tied more to the concept of what we would consider grace, I think, Mm -hmm. Um, like the fruits of the Holy Spirit, which are love and joy, peace, patience, (laughs) kindness, gentleness, generosity, faithfulness, and self-control. I mean, who wouldn't want their home to be full of these things? So like my Yeah, like my thoughts are that the difference between peaceful and peace-filled is that one sounds passive and one sounds more active. So, you know, yeah, maybe peaceful just means the absence of conflict, um, which sounds like a good thing. Mm -hmm. Um, But maybe it's not always going to be realistic or always present, you know, um, being flawed humans. It may not always be the case. But peace-filled sounds more like an active pursuit of something or some things that you're going to actually now try to bring in and cultivate. So, you know, both are desirable and we believe that both can be attainable to a certain extent. But I'm going to just hazard to say here that, you know, after looking into these definitions, uh, the peacefulness in your home seems to correlate to the degree that you're pursuing a peace-filled home. Mm, Does that make sense? This is how I'm seeing it. Yeah, that does make sense. And I love that. And I, I, when I tried to Google too, like to see if there was any difference between them, the only Mm -hmm. 
article, like it was a blog post I found. I don't know if you came across this one, but it was really, really good. And he actually described the difference between the peace that the world offers and the peace that Jesus offers and that they are two Mm. different things. And when we think of peace in a worldly sense, it's luxury. It is a luxury. It's escaping to a cottage, a spa day, a maid service, a tropical vacation, usually things that cost money. But when we think of peace in terms of what Jesus can give us, um, it's more, it is definitely the more of the peace filled, right? It doesn't come from Mm. the outside things, but it grows within us. But you're right. I think it is an action. The other things you can purchase, but then I think when you can't do those things, all of a sudden you can drown under the weight of the inaccessible perhaps of that worldly idea of peace. And so then I guess Mm -hmm. like you, like we're both leaning towards the idea of being peace filled. So how do we do that? (laughs) I never thought of it that way in terms of that worldly peacefulness often being a result of luxury and, Mm -hmm. you know, having the means to achieve that in a material sense often. Right. So yeah, yeah, I guess what we're talking about today is more of a maybe a discipline or a a virtue, an intangible that's um, perhaps even more essential. And so the whole thing comes back to home, right? So again, we can look at peace Mm -hmm. in terms of the world, but what unifies all of us and all of us in our quest for peace is that it doesn't matter what type of house you have, how much money you spend on it, how fancy it is. Um, People around the world are trying to create these peaceful homes. And so we put it out there to social media and we were flooded um, with answers from a lot of you of what you thought makes a peaceful home. And so we took a lot of that into consideration and Mm -hmm. then also the things that we you know, believe are the core things that we can work on to have a peace-filled home. And so we want to start with a message that we've said a lot on this podcast, but it bears repeating and that we believe that the homemaker sets the tone. I mean, someone has to, (laughs) that's the truth of it. Mm. So Mm -hmm. we believe that perhaps it's time to pull up your socks or bootstraps or whatever the saying is, but we like to think of it as like tying on our aprons a little bit tighter and getting down to work. So I want to be clear here. This isn't about being a martyr, um, about putting your own needs aside to care for everyone else until you're absolutely burned out. Sure, of course, there's a level of self-sacrifice here. We firmly believe in that. And we just also believe you don't need to get all dramatic about it. The truth is it can take some hard work to find out what you need in order to feel like you are okay so that you can help mm. make the people around you feel at peace and feel that they're loved and okay. So I've said it before and I'll say it again, whether you like it or not, you are the beating heart of your home. And if the heart isn't healthy, isn't happy, isn't being looked after, then the rest of the body, your home life will feel it. You set the tone. Mm -hmm. That's a really good point to make. Um, And I know we've talked about self-care and self-awareness many, many times on the podcast and being really intentional and critical about what exactly are the things that are going to give you a longevity of self-care that's going to permeate, right? Because we may not have the resources of time and energy to pour into every aspect of self-care, which as you're saying is so important to to give from an already full bucket Um, and so yeah to really start to identify it may be different for different people so knowing what it is exactly that's going to keep you steady and content and uh, ready to go is going to just behoove everyone else 
Absolutely. It's just making your own health, and we mean spiritual, psychological, and physical, a priority, right? It's so much more than Mm -hmm. face masks and bubble baths, we always say. You just need to know your own limits and what you're capable of and how you're really feeling that day. The way my husband describes it is that the, um, the mom is the thermometer of the home. She actually can like... The t- mm. I guess think about it physically like an old-fashioned thermometer. Like when she's rising or whatever, right? It's actually picking up the temperature, if you will, of everything happening around her. She's the one hmm. it kind of manifests in in a very unique way. And so if there, if it's if the mom is becoming feverish, I'm taking this very literally. Um, yes, but very I'm following. Yep. Right, right. <laughs> then you need to bring that fever down. Like she is the one that really does pick up because we do we carry everybody else's emotions with us as women, as mothers. And so, yeah, she is the thermometer of the home. So I realized a heavy truth, though. Peace, like joy, contentment, faith, and virtue can be cultivated all you want. You can bake all the cakes and light all the candles and play the old records and do the self-care. But the ref- if the rest of our families, you know, and particularly our spouse, if they're not doing some of the deep work on themselves too, they might not be able to fully receive the gift that you're giving them. But know this though, your efforts aren't unnoticed. When no one else sees you, God sees you. And ultimately this work that you are doing and making sure that you are the beacon of peace, that you are setting the Mm. proper tone, that's between you and God. Sure, there will be a Mm -hmm. ripple effect, right? That can benefit others. But this work, it's really meant to change you. Mm. Yeah, I've often reflected on the concept that God rewards efforts, right? Mm-hmm. I, I don't know that it's more a case of how we see things, like we reward results. Yeah. God seems to be more in the business of rewarding effort. And so even with this seeking of peace and trying to make ourselves first um, in a peaceful state or of a peaceful disposition, you might not be really good at it (laughs) or in the moment you may really be struggling with it. But if you are struggling, that's an indication that you're aware of it and you're trying And I take that as a huge step in the right direction. And I believe that God will see that effort and he will reward it with help and with grace. And this kind of leads into one of the points that I've thought about in terms of making our homes more peaceful, making my home a more peaceful place, is the idea of leaving margins for myself. Mm. And this Mm. relates to both um, time, but also emotions. So what we're talking about here, right? So for myself and for the other people who are living in the home, if I'm feeling upset or frustrated or anything that is not a fruit of the Holy Spirit, you know, we can't necessarily turn that off in an instant, like a tap. Mm. I don't know if many of us can do that. Um, and to a certain extent, I think we can and we should learn how to push through through those emo- emotions to get to the task at hand. But at some point, um, they'll need to be addressed if you want them to yeah. be resolved. So whenever it is possible, I've found it helpful to take even just a few minutes where I excuse myself from the situation that's um, trying me in the moment. And I try to feel what I'm feeling, but then... Uh, for a purpose, not to stew in it, to try to identify what is specifically causing the problem and to see if there's anything immediate that I can do about it. Um, And I find that if we can leave the margins for our emotions like that, 
um, I can count on them for myself anyways, to be at least a little bit more constant. And that lends itself so well to um, stability and predictability in the peace of a home. I love that so much. And you know what, if our kids are observing us doing that and you were just, mm-hmm. and I think if we're actually bring them in on it and then teach them that as a skill and be like, do you know what? I just need a couple of minutes right now um, to just figure yes. out what, what I'm feeling. And so I'm going to be back in five minutes and then, you know, we'll get on with the rest of the night. Like they start to learn that that's normal and that it's doable and that they too can do the same thing. It's just such a great thing to model. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because often the the less than peaceful responses that I'm doling out at home <laughs> are are sometimes not even related to what I'm lashing out at, right? Yes. It, it's something yeah. else that's happening to disturb my peace. And because life can come at you so fast, mm-hmm. it can get missed, it can get buried, and it takes maybe a couple of minutes for you to just yeah. Um, think <laughs> yep. to say, oh, you know what? It's because of this other thing that I haven't resolved yet. And that's really weighing on me. Um, yeah. it, could I do something about that right now? Okay, then let me take care of that. And you do almost feel like a lifting up. So even just that practice of being aware um, can contribute to peace amongst other people in your home because you're sparing other people the weight that you're carrying relating to a different thing altogether. And the truth is that it can change the tone for the entire night. Just five minutes of stepping outside of yourself, right? And just trying to figure out what's going on. Your night can continue on in that same trajectory it was going. And if you haven't just taken a couple minutes to just step out and figure out what exactly you are upset about, like you said, and then deal with it. If you don't do that. So what's the old saying of a stitch in in time saves nine? I wish there was like a step out for five minutes and save a whole night type of rhyme. Yeah. (laughs) Because it really could. That one simple act could change Mm -hmm. how the mood of the entire night is going to go. Yeah, absolutely. And it only costs, we often think we don't have the time to do that. Mm -hmm. But framed the way you're saying it, we don't, oh gosh, not have time time to do (laughs) that. Yeah. (laughs) There's the double negative there. Okay. So when we asked our friends and our listeners um, over and over again, the answer came back about having a clutter free space, a tidy home. Again, we're not talking about perfection here, Mm. but just having a home that is as tidy as it can be. Now here is a truth bomb. Your home doesn't have to be as perfect as you think it needs to be, but it can probably be better than it currently is. Now, what do I mean Mm. by that? (laughs) I have talked to countless women over the years about homemaking, and I've heard time and time again that women feel like if they can't do it perfectly right now due to their season in life, then why bother? But I'm here to tell you again that just a little bit of extra work actually has a huge impact, not only on your mood, but on your family's overall well-being. I've seen this time and time again. You know how happy we all are when you actually clean out a closet and then you keep opening it to see how it looks. And you want to just go stand in that closet, right? So it just comes down again to your intention and asking yourself, am I working as hard as I can right now in this moment? The duty of the moment that also came up. Um, You can only do what you can do. But can you push yourself to do that little bit of extra work? And sometimes just like like we were just saying, the few minutes that you take out can change the whole tone of the night. The extra 10 minutes of cleaning something can literally change the whole feeling of that room. It's worth it. 
Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that takes a bit of work, right, on the mm-hmm. outset to get your home to that place where you can mm-hmm. then enjoy the piece. Um, I was listening to a homily on peace on census fidelium, and mm-hmm. the priest was saying that often the lack of peace is a conflict between two desires. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, that makes so much sense, especially when we relate it here to the house and homemaking. We want time. And we want a clutter-free home. And Mm -hmm. sometimes this is where I find myself right now because it's just kind of come back around to the phase where I really feel the need to declutter again. Um, I want to already be there at the place where the the possessions that we have in the house are not taking so much of my time and my energy. But in order to achieve that, I have to do the work first. And so I like what you're saying about like, it could be better. Like it doesn't have to be perfect, but I do know, I do know it could be better. So (laughs) I I just have to roll up my sleeves and grit my teeth and get it done. And, And it can be like one cupboard at a time. I do know what you're saying, though, about how you go back to the place you've cleaned and decluttered Mm -hmm. um, because the reward is so great. And so I would recommend um, decluttering something bigger than a closet (laughs) so you can go stand in your clean room (laughs) after that. Well, actually, that's one of the other suggestions that our listeners gave and that I found when I was researching this, that if you can't do your whole house right now, definitely try to work on one space, right? Like really wherever yeah, you're going yes. to sit at night to relax, if that can be your focus and your goal um, at the end of every day to just have that space toy free, it is possible. I've had four kids. You have four kids. I've had a, a toy free living room. It takes a little bit of work, but to have something mm-hmm. like that where you can sit and, uh, and unwind properly in an uncluttered space, just start with the one room if that's all you can do right now. One listener in particular, Larissa, suggested, well, she used the words habit training when they do their cleaning up. And so it's something just meaning like the whole family does it, right? They all participate, but she looks at it as habit training. And I just love that. And I mean, it's, it sounds Mm -hmm. a little militant. You and I love the military, Um, but it's just like, yeah, you know what, this is what it ultimately is. And so um, if you you look at that, you're just building better skills for your kids and you're also learning the virtue of perseverance, but yeah, habit training. So she has, I think five or six kids and that's how they, they, they look at it when they're all doing their quick tidy up. Mm -hmm, I love that. And I'm going to jump on the military uh, motifs here and (laughs) add that we've had great success implementing zones (laughs) in our house, which is exactly, I think what Larissa is talking about with the habit forming. Um, Mm -hmm. It's, doesn't have to be perfect. It certainly is not <laughs> when younger, the younger the kids involved are. Um, but it teaches something. It teaches contribution to the overall atmosphere of the house. And that even in and of itself as a principle can be um, a way to fill our houses with peace is when everyone's mm-hmm. on the same team. Yes. And this relates to something I've talked before about on the podcast about how routines and rhythms routinely save my sanity. Um, and I, I just really need to have these things in place. <laughs> I believe that, you know, having a routine brings peace to a home because they do provide that sense of predictability and knowing what comes next. And there's just a security in knowing that, you know, A, what needs to get done will get done because there is a time and place for it already. And that B, I won't be caught off guard as often. 
it still happens, but with less frequency. Now, I usually don't have a lot to add about routine because, as you know, I normally don't have a routine. <laughs> That's just been oh, like the yeah. <laughs> life we've lived in the last many, many years. And um, But now with all my kids in school, I've kind of started getting into a bit of routine without even realizing it. And, you know, I've been getting up at 630 and I light the candles and I listen to In Conversation with God. And I have to keep going up and down the stairs every couple of minutes to keep waking kids up. Um, but what I want to say with routine for somebody who's like me, who is Although I'm very ordered and organized, um, I wouldn't say I naturally like thrive in routines. What I've noticed, though, is mm. that opportunities present themselves of natural routines. Like I'm and I think that being aware yeah. of that and then maximizing that is also really beneficial. So I haven't sat down with a planner and like planned out every hour, but I've and also very open mm -hmm. to seeing how a routine is presenting itself. Do you know what I mean? And then making yep. sure that we're doing the best we can within that. So I find like, yeah, just different styles for it. But I'm like, hey, I actually think I'm becoming a little more routine than I think <laughs> I was. Yes. Yes, it is true. I have noticed that that school definitely um, promotes that natural yes. finding of a rhythm. And what you're talking about, I would define more as a rhythm. And mm. that's more of what we have too. Like, like you, I have not sit down ever and really mapped out at what time we do this and at what time right. we do that. It's more of a sense of pace in the house. Um, yes. And because that differs between families, you can tailor it to however it's going to work best for you. But I think the idea behind finding a rhythm and being intentional about noticing uh, what your family's rhythm is, is that it kind of safeguards you from having to make so many decisions yeah. all the time about what comes next. And it will also allow you to prepare a little bit better in advance for things that you know are coming. And so yeah. you don't get caught up in that uh, frenzy of last minute panic. Um, that is such a huge disturber of peace, especially when it, when that is your routine. And it is very calming for kids. And I know plenty of, especially mm. homeschool moms who do have a very strict actual routine. And um, I know even in my daughter's classroom, right, you know, Ellie's had a bit of a hard time adjusting to school, being at real school. And her teacher has that mm. like timeline up on the wall that shows the breakdown mm. of their day. And she mm. like held on to that thing emotionally with like clenched fists because she yes. was watching to see as it worked through the day until it was home time, till she could see me. And she told me that every day she's like, I love having that thing on the wall so I could see where we were at and how the day was going. And so mm. it is really calming for kids to know what a general overview of the day is going to look like and what they have to expect in the family and in the home as well. Mm -hmm. That's such a good point. And you know what, when you're coming up with those rhythms and routines, I have found that another extra step to take in your consideration is going back to margins and leaving margins, mm -hmm. doing that with your time as well, yeah. right? So however long you think something's going to take or is going to happen, if you just allow yourself maybe an extra 15 minutes or half an hour in between each event, I think that can really contribute to the sense of peace in your home because you're kind of counting on life, yeah. <laughs> life happening, right? People needing you, unexpected things that come up that need to be addressed. And so, yes, having that structure is so important. And if we can find that 
beautiful balance between structure, stability, and predictability, along with an easygoingness about what life just naturally entails. I think having that kind of a perspective and understanding can really lead to a peace-filled home. Okay, so one of the things I am most intentional about in our home in creating a peaceful home environment involves creating atmosphere. Um, And my atmosphere is very intentional. It's very deliberate. And I do my best to make sure all five of our senses are being engaged when you are in different rooms of my house. And so I was trying Mm. to look up what a term would be for engaging all of the senses, (laughs) like in that sense. And and I'm like, hey, it's not sensual. And it's (laughs) Not maybe sensuous, (laughs) but you guys know what I'm saying. So you want to be, have to create an atmosphere that is in touch with all five senses. So I think one of the first things we can do is think about the places and spaces that you go to where you feel more, most relaxed. Um, What is it about those places? I would guess more often than not, those places are a sensory experience. One of my favorite places Mm. is the beautiful Country Inn of Langdon Hall. And when I think of Langdon Hall, I think of the smell of the wood-burning fireplaces. They have one in every room and all throughout the lobby. There are several. And they'll even come light your fireplace for you in your bedroom while you're dining. So you re-enter your room with the fire burning. Now, we don't have a fire pit. We have like a propane one, but we don't have a wood-burning fire pit, Mm -hmm. nor do we have a real fireplace. So I can't quite recreate that experience at home, but I have bought candles that smell like a fireplace, um, that smell like a wood-burning fire, right? And if someone is Mm -hmm. having a fire near our house, boy, I open all the windows so that I can like get that smell (laughs) into our house from someone else's fire. So I think Mm -hmm. that that's where you can start is think about like, what, what does your favorite place offer you? And I bet it's the smell of baking bread or the salon I used to go to when I still used to go to a salon. I love their products. Um, so I don't go get my hair done there, but I still buy the Aveda products and buy their candles so that my house can still smell like an Aveda salon. It really comes Mm. down to thinking about what you enjoy and then seeing how you can recreate that on a smaller scale in your own house. Oh my goodness. I love that. And I can't tell you how many times I've said to Phil, we can just knock a hole out of the wall, right? And create a chimney so we can have like (laughs) a wood burning um, fireplace in the house. And he's he stopped really responding. So I suppose that's a no go for us. But (laughs) I do know what you're saying about engaging all the senses. And I really love that you've done that for yourself. So now Mm. I have to start to think about what are the what are the other senses? I think we focus a lot on sight, yes. but not not so much on sound. And I have not even really thought about smells and what particular <laughs> smells um, I want to actually intentionally cultivate. So that's awesome. Well, and we are going into like the most sensory, sensuous (laughs) season now, right? Sensory? That's what it is. Yep. Okay. Sensory Sensory season now, right? Fall and winter. Mm -hmm. And so let me recommend again, the ambiance videos on YouTube. They really can help set the tone in your house. So if you guys go on YouTube, if you're not doing this yet, oh, go to fall ambiance and you'll be shocked. Some, a lot of them have like soft jazz music and the sound of pouring rain. They're beautiful. So we usually, have those on in the background because I have to say, and and this is something that I feel bad admitting, but I realized my capacity for noise has dropped drastically now that my kids are in school. Mm-hmm. I didn't realize mm-hmm. just how 
good I was doing at dealing with how loud they all are in our small house mm-hmm. until I was like, oh, is this silence? And then um, now yeah. when they're home, <laughs> I find it's very loud very quickly, right? So I intentionally dim the lights. All of my lights are on dimmers. That's my other trick. You know um, that I'm a huge fan of dimmers. Mm-hmm. So that's something simple that almost everybody can do in your house too, is start putting lights on dimmers and then uh, light those candles, get those scents in, put your fall ambiance on and have that little bit of light music playing in the background and you've created a whole atmosphere, mm-hmm. you know? I do know what you're saying. And I think it's also really interesting to think how we can do that for other people too and how to mm-hmm. like work in the myriad of different personalities of the house. Yes. I love what you're saying. And this is getting me thinking now how to consider that everyone should have that sense of belonging and how yeah. when people know that they're meant to be here, how that contributes as well to peace in the home, right? And how to actually encourage that and cultivate it. Oh my goodness, you're so right. Because here I am like thinking, what would make me feel peaceful, right? And then I recreate all my favorite things. But again, I love the idea of reminding yourself to ask other people. And my kids actually say all the time that they love how I do Christmas and they love, they're already saying, Mm. oh mom, we can't wait. It's only a couple weeks away and we'll have these lights up and you're going to do this and this and this. And I'm like, so happy. I'm cheering inside because they get it. They get the mood. They love it. They're starting to look forward to it. But having that conversation with them and starting to say, well, what do you find is really special in the fall? What do you love about summer? What do you love about going into the mm-hmm. winter and finding out what pleases them? And like you said, then also like create those and be intentional in creating that in the space for your family as well, not just what you love. <laughs> yes, exactly. Because I think too, when I start thinking about peace in the home, sometimes it can be a little bit more um, like fiction versus reality. Mm -hmm. Like I'm Mm -hmm. thinking peace as in like I'm gliding through my house, (laughs) right? And everything is pristine and silent and quiet and everything like that. But in actual fact, there are so many different people and personalities and interests that it actually makes life rather interesting in the home. And so peace Mm -hmm. can also be interesting. It's not the absence of activity or adventure. And that every person, yeah, every person contributes to a peaceful home best when they believe and they know that they are somewhere that they're valued for who they are and recognized for it. And that's like a point my friend Caesar said under this point where he said the sound of his children laughing and playing a game and like that kind of noise, that's peaceful too. You're right. It's not just the absence of noise or chaos that there can be this, we always call it the joy, um, the joyful chaos, the joyful noise of our houses. Um, It's all part of that as well. We're not going to create these sterile spa-like environments. It's just not going to happen in our houses right now. And thank God for that. That's not, that isn't what I want every day. Um, But it is about, yeah, well, you know, Michelle, I just tried my first board game and I actually played it twice, like two weekends in a row. And I was like, I actually found it. Yeah. (laughs) Surprisingly relaxing. So it was a game. Mm. It was an action. It, you know, there's a lot going on, but I found that I was actually really relaxed coming from it. It was, it was truly peaceful for our family. One of the last things that almost everybody brought up when we had asked about peace in the home was obviously the relationships, right? Peace between husband and wife, peace with the children. And we know that this doesn't just happen, that you have to choose that every single day, just like love, 
and it has to be intentional. But spouses who are united in their priorities, um, this makes a huge difference, right? We've talked before about the flight plan idea that as long as you and your spouse mm. have a you um, a united vision of the destination, your flight plans might alter, might vary, go off course a little bit. But if you're both united in your priorities and in your end goal, that really helps still create peace. There's just that unity between spouses. And then the family is the greatest place to practice diplomacy. Now, Larissa said this as well. Mm. She said that it's really this ability to listen to the issues affecting all the members of the family. And she said, particularly our children when they're little, like teach them already that you will listen to what they have to say and then help them and all of us develop the skills of conflict resolution. Doing this mm -hmm. is invaluable, right? So the family is the perfect place to teach how we attain peace. So yeah, it's where we can practice diplomacy. And I thought that's awesome. And yeah, it might be hard. It might be exhausting, but it peace is absolutely worth working towards in our homes and in the world. Mm -hmm. And it starts at home. We say that mm -hmm. so many times on so many subjects, right? Because it's true. It always starts at home. And it reminds me of a quote by Pope St. John Paul II. And it's a pretty well-known quote that he says, as the family goes, so goes the nation and so goes the whole world in which we live. And so that's why this is important here in our four walls, you know, and Pope John Paul II, again, in his message for the World Day of Peace in 1994, addressed families directly. And he said, mm -hmm. quote, families, you have a mission of prime importance, that of contributing to the construction of peace indispensable for respect for human life and its development. Knowing the peace is never secured once and for all, you must never grow weary of seeking it. Jesus, through his death on the cross, has left to humanity his peace, assuring us of his enduring presence. Ask for this peace. Pray for this peace. Work for this peace. May the family so live in peace that from it, peace may spread throughout the whole human family. End quote. And so, yeah, I love, I think the sum of everything that we've said in this episode contributes to this sense of peace in the home so that the peace-filled members can then go back out into society. Oh, absolutely. So we know that there are some of you listening and thinking, yeah, I want this, but I just don't think my family will care or change. We hear you. We have felt this way too. But just like we usually say about everything, and like you just said, Michelle, it starts at home. This one, peace, peace really does start with you. And if you create within yourself a sense of peace that is so deeply rooted that it might bend with the storms of life, but not break, regardless of the strength of the wind, trust us, a peace like that is a treasure to behold and something that everyone wants, but very few ever achieve in this life. It is possible though, and sometimes it does start with the simple act of lighting a candle. Okay, it's time for our What We're Loving This Week segment of the show. So Lindsay, what have you been loving this week? 
All right, I already mentioned it in today's episode, but the thing that I have been loving for a couple of weeks now is the little show called In Conversation with God. And you can find it on the free Relevant mm. Radio app, or you can buy the gorgeous seven book series available from scepterpublishers.org. And we will link to that website in the show notes. Now, Michelle, I know that you have been listening to or reading this series for a mm-hmm. long time now, right? Is that right? Yes, I have for... I want to say almost a year, not quite a year, but okay. oh my gosh, I love it. You're right. You go on. And you, you listen, right? No, but that's okay. You you choose. You listen. You don't have the books. Um, do you know what? I have a few books from my grandma, so I go back and forth. But for awesome. those times of the year where I don't have the book, yes, I do listen. <laughs> okay, so my spiritual director sent me one to listen to, and I loved it. And then it became something that he recommended that I do every morning, and I'm really doing my best to do so. So the In Conversation with God episodes are very short, like 13 to 15 minutes. And the man who narrates them has a very calm voice and there's some nice light music. It's very meditative. And it's based on the scripture readings for the day as part of the liturgical year. It's basically a lovely sermon, right? To start your day with. It gets Mm -hmm. you thinking, but it isn't overwhelming at all. So if you're looking to add something to your day for a little spiritual self-care or something to add into your morning routine, as we were talking about routines, you can get the free relevant radio app on your phone. And then you go to the menu and click on shows on demand and you will find in conversation with God. Mm-hmm. And he often quotes um, St. Jose Maria he Estrita, sure yes. who <laughs> I just think is truly, he had such a mind for holiness in the everyday life. And so, yes. yeah, it sets your day on such a good tone. It frames the gospel and the day so well. So Michelle, what are you loving this week? Well, what I'm loving this week is an Italian composer and pianist named Ludovico Einaudi. And I guess this is more of a who I'm loving this week. (laughs) (laughs) So I first discovered the music of Einaudi last winter when I pulled up a playlist on Spotify called Winter Piano. Mm. And I fell in love with the first song on the list called Nuvole Bianche. But truthfully, I didn't pay much attention to the actual composer at the time. I next ran into his music, strangely enough, on Instagram Reels. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And perhaps you've heard him too. So lately, his piece, Experience, is one of the trending Reels songs that people are using. And it's atmospherically epic. I love it. Now, Ainaudi had my attention. And so I often put the Spotify playlist, This Is Ludovico Ainaudi, up as I'm cooking dinner. But it could work just as well playing through your earbuds, you know, as you rest the laundry basket on your hip and wipe the sweat from your brow, pretending you're a courageous pioneer woman assessing the looming storm on the horizon of your hard-earned homestead on the new frontier. (gasps) Atmospheric! Sorry. (laughs) Yep. Where was I? (laughs) Oh, yes. So... In short, I think atmospherically epic is my go-to favorite way of describing Ludovico Ainaudi's music, and his vinyl albums are very high on my wish list for the upcoming holiday season, so I definitely think you need to have his work on hand as you begin to cozy down for the fall and the winter. Perfect. Oh, I've got to hear him. See, we have to keep going with the Friday Finishing School because I want to hit the modern, like really promote who's out there now. Yes. Yeah. Because it hasn't stopped, right? We think composing music ended with like Mozart and Beethoven and all these people. But no, there are still brilliant minds today producing amazing scores. 
Okay, that's going to do it for us this week. If you want to get in touch and chat with us about our topic today, you can find us on our website, www.themodernlady1950.wordpress.com or leave us a comment on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube at The Modern Lady Podcast. I'm Michelle Sachs, and you can find me on Instagram at mmsachs. And I'm Lindsay Murray, and you can find me on Instagram at lindsayhomemaker. Thank you so much for listening. Have a great week, and we will see you next time. Thank you.